Welcome to the audio podcast of North River Church. You can find out more about North River and ways you can be involved at our website, gonorthriver.org. In the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through verse 1 of chapter 4, we have been walking our way through the book of Colossians in a series entitled, The Supremacy of Christ, that Jesus Christ reigns supreme And how that affects us as either believers or as non-believers. How does that affect our relationships? How does that affect the way in which we interact in culture? And so, as we look this morning, there are some sermons that I wish I didn't have to preach. As a pastor, there are just some topics that you look at, and if you were... Picking a topic, you said, I'm going to find something to preach about. This would probably not be high on the list. And yet, here's what I love about walking through books of the Bible verse by verse, is that you can't avoid topics. You can't look and say, yeah, I don't really want to preach on that. That may make folks mad. That may not be in line with our culture. And we're just going to skip that and go to something that's a little more entertaining or a little more uh, palatable for us to hear. And yet, this morning, we encounter Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 18. So I want you to do something for me this morning as we walk through this text. The first thing that I want you to do is listen well, okay? I want you to listen well because, like it or not, we all approach things within our certain framework, within our previous experiences or whatever it may be, and I want you to just over the next few minutes that we have together to kind of take a step back and say, I want to be willing to listen well to not only this passage of Scripture, but also some explanation on it, too. And then I want you also to ask a very simple question. Is Jesus supreme? And if He is, how does that impact So this morning, with those two framework, let's look, beginning in verse 18 of Colossians chapter 3. Paul writes, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, 
and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit this morning. I ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As we approach Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 18, let's come up to speed on where we are in this letter that Paul was writing to a specific group of believers in the city of Colossae. So don't forget that Paul is writing to this group of believers because there's been false doctrine, false teaching that has infiltrated the church. There were things that were being prescribed and discussed and said that if you really want to follow Jesus, you need to do this. Jesus is not enough. And Paul, from the very beginning of this letter, has been walking through Not only thanking God for the work that he's done in the life of these believers, but he's also reminded them of how magnificent, how glorious, how supreme Jesus Christ really is. And so Paul, after saying, what an amazing thing. That Jesus Christ and His death and His resurrection has saved this group of believers. The amazing transformation that has taken place in their life. What an incredible thing that is. God, thank you for doing that in them. And then He lifts Jesus up so that we all can look and see how great and how glorious Jesus Christ is. And then Paul says... Jesus Christ reigns supreme over your life as a believer. So because of what Christ has done in you, it should transform the way that you live your life. Now, last week as we looked at the text, Paul was a lot more general in his application of that. Paul was looking and saying to them, Your life should be transformed. It should be different in the culture. They should see you and take notice and recognize that there is something magnificently different about your life because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Paul in these verses is about to get specific. Isn't it funny that generalizations are good But specifics, we kind of squirm around a little bit. I mean, you start calling names and things get a little hairy. And here, Paul doesn't step back. In fact, what Paul is doing in these verses is keying in, in the lives of believers, on the most intimate relationships that they have. Paul is looking at these believers and saying, The transformation of the gospel at work in your life and the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life will be lived out in culture, but the most evident place that it will be lived out is within your home. And so here, Paul is about to look at three specific relationships, and I want us to look at those 
not only within the context of the first century and what was going on there, but also within our context today. So first, Paul is going to look at Jesus Christ reigning supreme over the relationship between husbands and wives. Then, Paul is going to look at Jesus Christ reigning supreme over the relationship that parents have with their children. And then lastly, Paul is going to look at the relationship and Christ reigning supreme over masters and servants. So, that's where we're going, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you're taking notes, write down this main idea, Jesus reigns supreme over our most intimate relationships. Jesus reigns supreme over our most intimate relationships. Let's look first in verses 18 and 19, the relationship between husbands and wives. Jesus reigns supreme over the relationship between husbands and wives. Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Let me first give you a little bit of context in the environment in which Paul is writing this letter. In the Roman world, women were not seen as equal with men. They were not valued as men were valued. In fact, men looked at women as really a piece of property in their lives, like a piece of land, a home, whatever it may be. So, As Paul is writing this, keep in mind that that is the context in which Paul is writing this letter. So Paul says to wives, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now let's just stop for a second and ask a very simple question. What does the word submit mean? Because for some... You cringe when you hear the word submit. Let me tell you what comes to mind when I hear the word submit. I grew up in South Georgia, and our entertainment was watching wrestling. Some of you are like, what? I mean, I remember vividly on Saturdays, sitting on the couch with my dad and watching wrestling. I mean, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. It came all the way down to Florida. That's good to hear. It's good to know. I mean, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. I mean, some of you are reliving your childhood in these moments right now. So when I think of the word submit, what I think of is a submission hold in wrestling where someone is trying to get someone else to give up and to tap out. That's what comes to my mind. And I'm reading the Scriptures and I'm thinking, is that what Paul's communicating? I mean, that that is what should be happening in a marriage relationship between a husband and a wife, that a husband should be acting in such a way that they are working to try to get their wife to tap out and say, I'm done. Well, of course that's not it. 
Of course, that's not what Paul is emphasizing. So then, what is Paul emphasizing? What is Paul trying to communicate in this word, submit? Does it mean that a husband is supposed to be a dictator at home, that whatever he says goes? I mean, is that what Paul's trying to commit to say here? Well, it can't be in light of what he says in verse 19, that husbands are to love their wives and to not be harsh with them. So it takes us a little bit of time to walk back through the Scriptures and ask the question, what does the word submit mean? What is the context? What is the purpose for which Paul is communicating this? And as we walk our way back, even to the beginning of the Scriptures, what we see transpire is that God's plan in the marriage relationship between a husband and a wife is for the husband to take the leadership responsibility for the marriage. So when we see in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sin in the garden, if you remember, God comes first, not to Eve, who sinned first, but God comes first to Adam and asks Adam What have you done? Why does God do that? Because God instituted marriage to function in a certain way. That for us as husbands, we have been called to lead our families spiritually. That's our responsibility. Let me say that one more time. Men who are married, listen. Your responsibility is to lead your family spiritually. Need to hear it again? Third time's a charm. That's our responsibility, to lead our family spiritually. And so in light of that, what Paul is saying here is, wives, recognize that that is your husband's responsibility and willingly Place yourself under his leadership within the home. Now, some of you, your feathers are rustled a little bit and you're going, well, that's just not fair. That's that's not what our culture says. That's not what our culture values. That's not what is being communicated within our culture. I mean, we are all equal, right? And the answer is, in Christ, of course we are equal. Husbands, if you ever believe that you are better than your spouse, you're wrong. We are equal in the eyes of God. We are image bearers. And if we are followers of Jesus, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the reality, that is the truth. And yet what we see take place is that God looks at the marriage relationship and says, Husbands, you take the lead spiritually in the home. And wives, you willingly walk in relationship with your husband so that he is leading in the home spiritually. Now, here's the thing that plays out in this conversation. You may be here this morning, and the reality is your husband doesn't do that. 
Your husband doesn't lead spiritually at home. Your husband's not taking the leadership responsibility and not setting the course of the spiritual direction of the family. And I want to just say to you, if you're a wife who is sitting in that position, don't lose heart. Continue to pray for your husband. Continue to seek God's face for him to step up and lead the home in the way that he should be leading the home. But don't just cast him aside and say, well, if you ain't leading, I'll lead. Because again, that's not the role and the responsibility that God has given. So as we look at this, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. The question I ask is, where else do we see that word submit used in the Scriptures? Where else do we see in relationship those words used? Well, ultimately, we see that used in the relationship between God the Father and the Son. That the Son willingly submits to the will of the Father. Now, we wouldn't look at that and say, well, gosh, that's not fair. Or we would not look at that and say that Jesus Christ is diminished in some way because of the willingness of Him to submit to the will of the Father. Let's explore it a little bit more than that. We also see this play out in the relationship between Jesus Christ and His church. The church is called to submit to Christ, who is the head of the church. But we would never say in that relationship that the church is somehow diminished because Christ functions as the head and the authority in that relationship. Where else do we see that relationship play out where one is called to submit to the other? God has instituted the governing authorities, and we as believers are called to submit to those in authority over us. Why do we do that? Because, God says, it is for our benefit, our good. We are not diminished in any way as a result of that. Let's throw the one caveat in all of these relationships that we have to throw in there. If ever... One in authority over us is telling us to do something contrary to God's will. In that moment, we say we must obey God rather than man. But outside of that, we are called to walk in obedience to Christ reigning supreme in our relationships. So let's look at verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. It's interesting that those two verses are back to back. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. If you want a little more detail on Paul's emphasis here, look at Ephesians chapter 5 and see it explained even more in depth than he does here in this book. But what we see play out is the responsibility, husbands, on our part to love our wives well, to care for them, to cherish 
them. That is our responsibility. Now here's the thing that plays out within the marriage relationship. One person in the marriage can't do everything that has to be done. And there is a true partnership in marriage between husband and wife. There should be. So husband, it's just a question for you. What do you value in your wife? What are the attributes, what are the character qualities, what are the things in your wife that you look at and say, I love that about you. I want to lift that up. See, here's the thing with my wife who's sitting right here on the front row. What a fun sermon to preach in front of your wife, right? <laughs> she is better at things than I am. She's an accountant. She knows numbers better than I do. She is the most diligent prayer warrior that I know. We have two girls. She relates better to our girls in a lot of ways than I do. My daughter is also sitting on the front row. But if I don't recognize those qualities, if I don't cherish those things in her, if I don't love her well, then I have failed as a husband in our relationship. And so husbands, I want to challenge you this morning. You say, how should I love my wife? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Well, there's a standard. But husbands, that's what we're called to, to love our wives in that way. Not only do we see Christ reigning supreme over the relationship between husbands and wives, but we also see it between parents and children. Notice verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers. Do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Again, this relationship that is so fundamental to our homes, our relationship with our kids. And I want to recognize this morning that that relationship changes through the years, does it not? Some of you are here this morning and your kids are grown and gone. And so you're looking at that wondering, well, how does this affect me? Maybe you are an adult child and your parents are gone or your parents live away and you're asking the question, well, how how do I walk in obedience and relationship with them? So Paul says here, and it's emphasized in the Ten Commandments about the responsibility of children obeying your parents. But notice, kids, I want, you to, I want you to hear this. Obey your parents when you feel like it. Doesn't say that, does it? Obey your parents in everything. 
You can throw the one caveat in there that we threw in, the relationship between husbands and wives, unless your parent is telling you to do something contrary to God's Word. It's the only instance that you would not walk in obedience to your parents. But outside of that, kids, obey your parents. Say, I don't like my parents. They probably don't like you right now. But they love you, and you're called to walk in obedience to what they've told you to do. The question is, why? Why do you have to obey your parents? For one, they are the authority that God has placed in your life. And so when you're called to walk in obedience to your parents, what you are ultimately doing is walking in obedience to the Lord. Because God has seen fit. Kids, to give you the parents that you have because that is what God deems best for you in this moment. And so you are called to walk in obedience to your parents. In fact, he says, this pleases the Lord. But I want you to notice the follow-up in verse 21. Fathers... You could put a slash there and say, and mothers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. What is it about that verse that is so important? I want you to hear me this morning that we have a responsibility as parents with our kids to Teach them, to guide them, to discipline them in such a way that we are not attempting to break them, but that we are attempting to make them into the people that God has called them to be. So as we look at that this morning, what we realize, parents, is that there are ways that we can do exactly that with our kids to break them, to discourage them. Let me just ask you this question, parents. Do your kids ever feel like they measure up in your home? If you are constantly nitpicking something that they are doing wrong, there is no way that they will not become discouraged. So parents, I want to encourage you this morning as you think about your kids, especially as they are under your roof, work diligently to teach them and to instill godly principles in them, but don't try to crush them. And then the question comes in for us this morning, then what about adult children? Aren't those fun relationships? Can I encourage you this morning, if you are an adult child and your parents are alive, to ask the simple question, how can I seek to honor and to respect them? How can I seek in my relationship with them to still, even after all of these years, to honor them and to demonstrate to them that I value them and I see them as an authority figure in my life. 
and grown parents or parents who have grown children, what are the things that you do that discourage them? We continue on and we look at this last relationship in the home. Beginning in verse 22 and going through verse 1 of chapter 4. I want to give you the context. The conversation here that Paul is having is between masters and servants or masters and slaves. So within the Roman Empire, there were some at this point in time, 60 million slaves. So it's interesting as we walk through this. To ask the simple question, why would Paul write what he writes? Because for every single one of us, we should be able and willing and with conviction to say that slavery under any circumstances is wrong. Slavery under any circumstances is contrary to God's will. Anytime someone is owned by someone else, there's a problem there. And yet in this passage, Paul doesn't address it in the way that if I'm looking at it, I would say I would address it in this way. And so I've asked that question Why? And why under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit does Paul go about it in the way that he does? Let's look at how he goes about it. Paul says, bond servants or slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So he's saying in verse 22, obey your masters in everything. And again, you could put that caveat unless they've called you to do something that's contrary to God's word. But obey them in everything and don't do it by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with conviction or sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord says in verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. The wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Paul writing in the context where slavery was an institution already established and functioning speaks in not as a political activist, but speaks in as someone who desires to see godly relationships flourish. And in writing this to those who were slaves... Paul says to them, never lose sight of the reality that you are free in Christ. And in your freedom in Christ, serve your master as if you are serving Jesus. 
Now, here's the question. Did Paul just punt on dealing with what's going on here? Did Paul not address the institution of slavery? Did he not deal with it? Did he not address it? And I would say here that Paul is very much addressing it in verse 1. He says, Masters, treat your bondservants or your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So in this relationship, what Paul is communicating, and I love this, Paul is saying to the slave, live in the freedom that you have in Christ, and to the slave's master, you are a slave to Jesus Christ. Treat your slave accordingly. Now here's what we see play out in these relationships and what we see play out through history that when people take very seriously the realization that in Christ we are equal at the foot of the cross, that white or black, it doesn't matter at the foot of the cross. We are valued by God the same. We have the image of God within us. And as a result of that, we've seen throughout history when that is championed, when this relationship that Paul has emphasized here is championed, that people look at the institution of slavery and say, that cannot exist and continue. We see that play out in the life of William Wilberforce who looked at the slave trade, and as a believer in Jesus Christ said, this cannot continue, and invested his life in ending that atrocity. We see that play out even in this country. And even today, as we think about slavery that still exists in our world, those who are at the forefront of bringing it to an end are believers in Jesus Christ. Very much because of what Paul highlights here. We are called to submit in every relationship to the supremacy of Jesus Christ's rule and reign. Now, here's the question for us. Since we don't, in this country, live under the same thing that they were living under, since no longer is slavery an institution in this country, then what's the best connection point that we can make with masters and servants? And the best one that I can think of is our relationship as employees and employers. That we are called to work in our jobs. We are called to serve the Lord. And if we are in authority over people who are working for us, we are called to treat them as fellow image bearers of God. That we are to see that we ultimately have a boss and his name is Jesus. And he very much cares how we treat those that we have authority over. 
And so as we look this morning at Jesus' supremacy over the home, I think we have to ask ourselves, is Jesus Christ, practically speaking, supreme over our home? Husbands, are you loving your wives as Christ loved the church? Wives, are you willingly submitting to your husband's leadership as he leads out spiritually in the home? Children, are you walking in obedience in all things with your parents? Parents, are you seeking not to discourage your kids in the relationship that you have with them, but to build them up and to equip them to be followers of Jesus Christ? Employers, are you treating your employees well? Employees, are you working as if you are working for the Lord? Those are the questions that when Jesus Christ reigns supreme over our most intimate relationships, those are the questions we must ask and we must answer. Let's pray this morning. Father, we are thankful for your word and we're thankful that Even as we address difficult issues, your Spirit guides us. Father, my prayer this morning is that if there's one here that has never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ, that right now, Jesus Christ is not reigning supreme over their life, would you give them the courage this morning to take that step, to place their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. Father, would you help us as believers here this morning recognize how important it is for Jesus Christ to reign supreme in our most intimate relationships. Our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with our kids or with our parents, our relationship with our employer or employees. That, Father, your word speaks to those relationships. And that because Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives, he is Lord of those relationships. May that be evident, may that be visible. May that impact our homes and radiate to impact this community and ultimately this world. Because we take seriously the fact that Jesus Christ reigns supreme in our lives. We ask that in His name. Amen.